Episode three. All right, episode three, Garage Beers. We're uh, in the garage once again. Yep, we got a crack. Oh, that is some high quality audio right there. Jim, Cole, Nick, back for Garage Beers episode three. Uh, I've got a good rundown today, trying to keep it to five. We'll see if the five items uh, drag on. We like to uh, rant. <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to do that, but it is May 15th. And uh, let's let's get into it. You mean you went on your trip? Um, let's hear about it. How was it? Um, and we'll kind of ask some questions as we go on. Well, yeah. so for those that that didn't listen to the previous episode, Jim just completed a thousand miles in one day on his motorcycle. Uh, started at. 3.50 a.m. Yep. and came back at around, what was like, 10, 10.30? 10.30, yeah. So, uh, last summer I originally got the idea, uh, it's kind of a thing in the motorcycle community to do a 1,000 miles in a day. I think the record, I looked it up, someone did 1,700 miles in a day, which, like, I honestly don't know how, how that's doable. But, um, so yeah, so then uh, a couple months ago I started really – wanting to plan it out for this year got a got a friend who wanted to do it and uh hr cook a good friend of mine and we said you know what may 14th uh it was his 58th 9th birthday and he spent it with me and uh so we left 3 50 a.m uh, it was 37 degrees when we left dubuque and uh the rule of thumb with with uh, temperature and when you're on a bike is they say you could take 15 degrees off of the air temperature, and that's about what it's like. So I know we're not, we're not math majors here, but that's like 22 degrees, which I don't care how many layers you have on, like, that's cold. So you so, were cutting diamonds. Uh, yeah, yeah. These, uh, these sausages were pretty perky. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, all in all, like, if, you know, people have asked me, like, oh, what would you do differently you got to do it in July or August if you're here in the Midwest, just so your weather's more predictable. So, like I said, we left. It was 37 degrees. Our turnaround, or like furthest southern point, was Kansas City. Uh, I always get it confused. I think it was Kansas City, Kansas. 588 miles, and it was 77 degrees down there. So, like, I get there, and I'm shedding layers. But then probably when we got to uh, east of Des Moines on our way back, all of a sudden, now I'm putting all those layers back on, and we hit some rain. So, all in all, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely sore today. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize when you're riding. Yes, you're like in the seated or seated position, but your legs are you're holding your legs in a specific position. You've got a resistance against it, so I call it a workout. So, I mean, basically, I did the motorcycle version of the marathon yesterday. I think uh, that's that's something to be proud of. I mean, you probably burned a lot of calories. I hope so, because I also ate a lot of calories of barbecue. <laughs> so I had burnt ends and a brisket sandwich, and uh, whoo! And we had donuts for you when you came back here. Yeah, so that was I, I was really surprised. So I like the the way you end the ride is is you fill your gas tank back up because the way you document everything is you take the picture of your receipt and your odometer on your bike. So, like, I'm all done. Everything's, you know, finished. And, like, I text the group, like, hey, what are we doing tonight? Like, figures Friday night you guys might be out. 
And Cole replies like, "We're all at our own homes." <laughs> yeah. And like at the time, I which didn't, like, I thought was suspicious. Yeah, I didn't really think about it. I, yeah. And you guys called me out, and I was like, "Listen, this dude just got done riding a thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. There's no way he's looking into this." Definitely had like road brain going on for sure. So, um, finish up at the gas station. I'm getting ready to come home, and all of a sudden, I get a FaceTime from uh, our new uh, newest member of the Garage Beers crew. I guess this this will be his introduction. Uh, Stat Boy, a.k.a. BVT, a.k.a. Trent, um, at the end of the table running our live on Instagram tonight. What up, guys? But uh, Trent FaceTimed me, like, wanted to talk. So, as I'm sure you can imagine, like, talking on the phone and riding a motorcycle, not really, like, a smart thing to do. So, like, I pull off to the side of the road and talk to Trent. Meanwhile, these guys are in my garage at my house, less than five minutes away. Well, that we looked at you, we were tracking your location, <laughs> and we're like, what "The heck!" You just stopped, and we're like, "Oh boy!" So then we're like, "He's got to be close," because we we saw that you left the gas station. All of a sudden, you yeah. stopped, and we were just trying to figure out. But go ahead. So then I, you know, I I've got the amount on my bike, so I've got the phone pulled up to open the garage, open both the garage doors, because I I was like, "All right, I'm gonna loop into one door, turn around in the garage, and just park it, and, and figure it out tomorrow." And as I'm pulling up, like, I see a line of four Smirnoff Ices uh, in the garage. <laughs> and then I see Cole's head, like, lean over the corner. I'm like, these, these fuckers. Like, oh, yeah, we're, at our, we're all at our own homes. And they were in my garage <laughs> waiting for me. And then I felt like a, uh, a race car driver because I come in and our friend Nuge uh, pops a bottle of champagne <laughs> and, like, douses me in it. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. Like I, 10 out of 10 was not expecting that. Um, honestly, like overall, like the number of people that reached out on social media, like, Hey, like this is really cool. Like, I, I don't know. Like to me it's cool, but like, I would have totally understood if like a ton of other people like didn't give a shit about it. But, um, I think it's cool to, to have that kind of support. And, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say like, I'm already thinking about the next one. But um, I've had some thoughts and some things that I would do different. Um, I not necessarily counting it out if I do another thousand mile day ride before the end of the calendar year. Sheesh. So, what was the hardest part? What was the hardest stretch? Um, getting up in the morning and going, or I would say either not so much getting up and going, but like the first two plus hours was just so cold so you're just luckily like that's how it started like if that was the end of the night i think that would have made it difficult um the second i think honestly the hardest part was the final stretch not because it was the last leg but because that's also when it was raining um and you know you're never 100 percent sure how your motorcycle tires are going to handle on what pavement and on top of that, like you don't have windshield wipers on your visor, so your visibility isn't great. So this whole day we're trying to do 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, and now of course the last leg, like we're doing 60. But we eventually kind of hit a dry dry spot, and then we were able to crank it back up and get home. Well, good. All right. Well, if you have any more uh, motorcycle stories, we'll probably share it on the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, uh, it's a good time. Wait, we left out. You're not even an hour in, and HR could have reached out and slapped you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was, like, it was 
past the point of all right, like we're we're just starting to like settle into a groove right now, and we're down. I forget where it was about two hours into the ride, so we're we're into Illinois at this point, and um, and all of a sudden, like I'm checking my mirrors, like making sure, like I always just nothing's move. I can still see behind me, and I see this flash, like as I'm turning my head back, and I'm like that that had to have been a deer. And sure enough, uh, HR who was in, in the front said he could have reached out and touched this deer as it passed him. Um, so that would have definitely impacted the, uh, the trip. Pro- I mean, it would have brought it to a screeching halt right then and there. But. That would have been yeah. tragic. Hey, yeah, made it through. HR sounds like he's like the author of something. Uh, <laughs> goes by it, it's, a, it's a family name, I think. Um, he told me once. I don't know if our stat boy. Do you know the story? I actually don't know the story, but I've known him for. I've, yeah, I've known HR for five, six years actually. Great guy. Absolutely hilarious. Like, you gotta get him on the podcast. You, yeah, he you, would definitely come on the podcast. Yeah, he sure. would come on the podcast sure. and he would get you some laughs. <laughs> All right, he's, good. He's fucking. Funny. And he's a he's a storyteller. Yeah, so. yeah perfect. Anyway, so then I, you know, get home. We celebrate, have some some drinks, some some donuts. I don't know. The donuts seemed like an odd dude. <laughs> we're standing in the line, and I'm like, "All right, what should we get?" and stuff like that. There and was like, donuts right we were like out, and we like had got something. And then Alyssa's like, "Yeah, these donuts are the best." And Nick's like, "Yeah, fucking grab them." <laughs> yeah. So we got donuts, and we got. I mean, ice they're not wrong. Champagne. Like, yeah. those cake donuts are oh, yeah. are pretty good. Quickstar has everything. And I hadn't eaten since lunch in KC, and that was about two o'clock. So. Mm-hmm. It was a good, uh, good put me to put me to bed. But then to this morning, we turn right around and we've got a uh, a trap shoot event. And uh, I honestly going into it, I was wasn't quite sure what to expect. Um, I hadn't, I, I did it ten, I don't know, ten, twelve years ago. And uh, so starting that off, uh, you know, we had a, a good friend of ours come into town. We'll uh, introduce him now into the show. Uh, goes by the name of. Uh, John boy, um, so John, uh, welcome, welcome. You you should be honored. You are our first official guest on Garage Beers. Scoot on in here. Uh, yeah, we're gonna bring you closer to the mic here. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, welcome nice to the frame. club. Thanks, thanks guys, thanks for having me. Now you guys should know that our our friend John boy here is an elevator expert. Uh, that that is his profession, I will. I will. and he's gonna he's gonna give us the full scoop on some interesting elevator questions that you may or may not know you even have. Um, but we don't have to get into that right away. We can just yeah, that's at the talk. end of the yeah, rundown. yeah, yeah. So just so, well, yeah, so trap shoot today. Trap shoot. Um, honestly, my experience of it, I haven't shot clay ever. I mean, I've shot some guns. I shot at targets, and I sat in a couple deer stands. Um, but I mean, it was a blast. Um, I didn't know. I was a little nervous. I'm one of those that if you're not good at it, then you don't really do it type of deal. Holy shit. <laughs> and I, if you can't look, we'll, and we'll oh probably post a picture God. to our Instagram. We but Jim got absolutely destroyed. Like that is puffy. He got destroyed by his uh, shotgun today. Well, you put it, you're supposed to put it in your arm. So yeah. well, you're supposed clearly to put it in your armpit. <laughs> yeah. And clearly you weren't putting it in your armpit. Oh so. Hey, oh make your bicep look like very, very yeah, cool. Hey, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. That's for the ladies. Um, so, I mean, we'll get into that story. But yeah, so uh, we're shooting the trap. 
And again, woo, right off the get-go, I felt, I mean, kind of going to this, we, we showed up with <laughs> no shotgun to a trap shoot. So luckily, uh, we know some I guys... I mean, in our defense, some, it didn't say bring your own shotgun. I mean, yeah, but that's like but a golf outing. But you had a outing. really good analogy. You show up to a golf outing without any golf clubs. So, I mean, nonetheless, we got taken and, care of. And we didn't have cash to pay Correct. Like our so, plan was to just Venmo the, the host uh, of the event, so oh. kind of had two strikes against us going into the day. Yeah. So um, luckily, uh, things went well. Um, Jim had one of the biggest turnarounds, biggest comebacks in sports history. Might <laughs> might make a thirty for thirty on it. I that so. guy, what do we got? <laughs> he went from four clay pigeons. I was so first... hold on. So you start off with twenty five shots in a yeah. round. Yeah. So my first round. His first round was four total. Total out of the twenty-five, <laughs> he didn't hit his first shot until pigeon sixteen. Yeah, I believe. Ooh. And then he turned Dang, around. Dang, you got hot, man. <laughs> he right? turned around five minutes later and shot twenty-one and was the best out of the group for that. Yeah. that twenty-five plays. What was the adjustment you made? So, like, there's there's a lot of things going on here, right? So you've got this disc that it changes where it comes out. So, therefore, it changes, like, the trajectory path. And I think, honestly, like, the first round, I was just trying to, like, get a good, like, mental grasp of, like, how, mm. like, where I need to aim, basically. Mm. Then, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I threw in a chew for round two. And I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe this will just get me one more one more play. And I just, I went off. I, I think I had one or two, I had to have had one or two perfect rounds Went five for five, and Dang. it was it was yeah quite the turnaround. It's one of those things that like in the trap shoot, you see it in sights, you go. There's no waiting. There's no. It's just like instincts. Yep. Like I mean, there's no like oh I think that's in the sights. It's you go with your instincts. It's there. Boom, you pull the trigger. There's nothing. Right, you're supposed to follow it, right? And then I mean, you right, follow but like it. it's not like you're like you almost have to anticipate. You have to anticipate, and you want right, to lead it right. a little bit. Right. So yeah. what I had learned, so like the first one, first round. Um, I was almost two down the site right off the get-go and then trying to get to it instead of mm -hmm. round two when I started doing a little bit better was kind of have it in the socket, find it, and then go to the site. And then mm -hmm. that got me from nine all the way up to 16. So um, so earlier in the week, we were trying to put together our team because like Trent, stat guy, was supposed to do this like two months ago and never did. <laughs> so finally I was like, fine, I'll just take oh, care of it this week. I had Cole, I had Trent, and then we reached out to Johnny thinking like, oh, Johnny owns two shotguns. He must be a wizard. He would have fun. Let's bring him down. So Johnny, for those of you that don't know, Johnny uh, lives in Denver. And, uh, you know, so... Denver, Iowa. Denver, Iowa. I was, I was just going to leave it at Denver. <laughs> the mile-wide yeah. city. The mile-wide city. Uh, Denver, <laughs> Iowa. Said the mile high. The mile-wide city. That's what you go, you pull in off, the, off of 63... And it says, "Welcome to Denver, the Mile Wide City." How, what's the population? Oh, you got that guy under six hundred. Stack guy. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of growing. It's kind of like um, a good they, way to put a it. A booming is, metropolitan. It's like Doge. Well, it's like everyone, Doge everyone, So like we're about fifteen miles north of Waterloo and about ten from north of Cedar Falls. According to the twenty nineteen census, it was seventeen hundred and twenty six people. Okay, so a lot bigger than I thought. So seventeen hundred. Wow. What is the cutoff in Iowa for population to have a stoplight? 
Is there not a stoplight? There's not a stoplight. We have one set state law. Because like 1700, like people might get out of whack. Wow. No stoplight. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It's just one stop sign. It's in the. Hey, can you look up the the right traffic right stats yeah. for Denver, the, Iowa? The square area is um, 1.58 miles. So it's, okay. so it's a little bit bigger. Than oh wow! Well, no, that's Standard. square. If you say mile wide, that's that's not necessarily the same thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. True, it could be. Yeah. One mile wide. Anyways, you guys have been to Denver. Yeah. Yes. Twice. It's a blast. Three times. And I we, wouldn't say it's a blast. I mean, I've had a good if, time. If Johnny Denver. didn't live in Denver, we wouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so you could say like, oh, New Orleans is a blast. That's true. If no one, Regardless, none of our yeah. friends lived in New Orleans, we would still consider going. Shout out Dexter Bass. <laughs> probably not now, I think that's the first time anyone has compared Denver, Iowa to New Orleans in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy? <laughs> I don't have to stand on that, but I would confirm that's probably true. Also, anyway, so Johnny has two shotguns. We wanted to bring him down. Thinking I was good at shooting, but right. I also own a pair of golf clubs. I'm not good at golf. <laughs> true. Um, so give us your like your first and second round recap of how it went from your okay, perspective. Okay, so going off kind of what Cole said, I haven't shot Clay in probably since I was living in Texas, so about three, four years ago. So I was a bit rusty coming off. Um, I also, you know, usually when I shoot trap, I use the two shotguns that were actually passed down for me. One used to be my great-grandpa's, and the other one was my grandpa's, I believe. Um, so when I got the call, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I know what I'm, you know, what the, what the pigeon looks like, what the trajectory is. So I had that going in, but using someone else's shotgun, you don't know. You know, how are the sights set? Is the sight set, you know, as when you're aiming at a pigeon, is it is the bullet's going to drop or are they going to rise? So there's two different sort of aspects to shooting. It's that, more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you don't know. So you, don't, so you have to test that out and through the first run. And these guys are over here kind of talking me up. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, this is going to be a <laughs> average. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, just because I own two shotguns doesn't mean, you know. I could hit 25 in a row. So you I brought did. the shotguns or not? Going off, um, I didn't even think of it at the time. Well, I haven't cleaned them in a while, and um, my always rule. I mean, he only knew about this me. event for like four days. Okay. Yeah, okay. and yeah. my dad always taught me before you shoot it, clean it. You don't know what's yeah. in it. You don't know, mm-hmm. you know, if something sparks it. You it, know, it was it the can... Denver nightlife that really kept John. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I just, you know. Didn't think, okay, they probably have guns. It's going to, you know, we're going to a shooting club. Yeah. Usually, you know, maybe they have some rentals, kind of like a golf club. I, that's kind of what That's I how was I was thinking it. Mm. Well, we got there, and we were standing there, and everyone else is carrying their guns in, and right. we're just sitting there. Like, <laughs> and then we get, paired, we, we get paired with a guy who's, like, got all of his stuff. He's got his own ammo. I mean, super nice guy, and he was just like, hey, listen, I'm in, a, like, a – Trap shooting league like on Thursdays. Yeah, I'm, but I'm at the below. I'm at, like at the bottom of the barrel. So I'm just here to have some fun and whatnot. So we we're like, oh heck yeah, come on in. The water's fine. So and then the other, I mean, so we get there, we we get checked in, and like, I felt like we were the only group of people that had never been to an event like this because we're just standing there like with our thumbs up our butts. Like, are we supposed to wait for someone to tell us to go? So like, there were crews that had done. Like two full rounds yeah. before we had even gone and shot once. So eventually, you know, we we go. I have a terrible round, barely hit. I only hit four, and then I I wish I could say like I knew what I was doing, 
but I just kind of like built myself kind of like a routine where like after I shoot, I put the shell in there, but I leave the chamber open. And then when the la the person before me shoots, well, I thought I was tucking the, the butt of the gun like into my shoulder. Clearly I was not. <laughs> and then like when it's my turn, it's cock, pull, and like I just kind of found that routine and it seemed to help and keep me in the zone. Meanwhile, I get one shotgun round one, and all of a sudden... <laughs> Which you did pretty well with. Nah, I did better at round two, actually. But, I mean... Oh. Um, round two started off rough. But, nonetheless, well, started off real rough. I got, <laughs> I was given the second gun, and they said, yeah, here you go. Let alone, not only does it have the safety, like, on and off, but it has the upper and the lower barrel. And I'm like, holy crap. So, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm trying to like figure that out. Finally, two pigeons go, and I'm blank both uh, of them. I think four. Well, one you, of them went before I was even to go in. But then two of them I shot. Four out. pigeons before you fired a shot. Yep. So <laughs> well, to give them a little credit, the gun was kind of. I mean, I've you know the guns that I've shot when I was younger or growing up with, I've never seen one a safety and then where you had the to upper lower yeah, yeah usually it's a button on the inside kind of like a and the drill, dude came over and he know? said yeah you're good to go so and then i was ready boom pulled it blank i'm like yeah. oh, all right well back through wasn't it <laughs> so then brought it back over and but nonetheless i gotta have that the, the next couple rounds which was good but I mean, and after so with the change of gun it also discharged the shell differently. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you gotta tell that story. I got so I'm like, alright. I'm it's one of those that like I don't even know how to describe it, where you like open it up and then I went to open it up and I'm looking at it, it wasn't really going, so then I open it up a little more <laughs> dumb, oh. dumb right in the forehead. I go, Oh, oh crap, alright, sounds good. Put him what in concussion you? protocol. He yeah. Just <laughs> so then get a I learned the next time, but then I'm like, once he kinda I think it was like my third time. I go, ooh, I almost got caught domed again. I, and after that, it was just boom, and then throw it over the shoulder. Just, yeah. But, I mean, overall, I know we went and then uh, looked at shotguns today at, at uh, Tyson's. Seriously? Yeah. So, I could see us going again. I think I had a good time. Um, I mean, whether it's shotgun or just, you know, target shooting, anything like that, I think it's, it's a fun time. Did that, that range had target shooting as well? Yeah, but that's a private club where we were at, oh, okay. so we'd have to find... I think there's an, a, a public... Something around here, right? There's some ranges downtown. Yeah. Actually, an indoor range. Yeah, Tri-State. Indoor trap shoot? Yeah. Well, really? No, not no. indoor <laughs> well, What do they shoot, <laughs> rifles? In, indoor range. Yeah. You can shoot whatever you want. But anyway, I, I so we're, we're at uh, 24 minutes already, so let's, let's keep it moving. We're going to... We did get a, uh, a topic... Uh, from our almost 200, no, are we at 200 fans? Yeah. Okay, over, so we got 200 fans already, which is incredible. We've had the account for, you know. We might be at 250. And uh, big shout out to Nick. He's our director of membership uh, <laughs> for the for the podcast. And I don't know if we want to necessarily give away our secret, but we'll just say it clearly works. 251. We're at 251. Uh, so Nick, good job on that. Our, our we we did put a, out um, a prompt on our story. What do you want to hear us talk about? We did get one in that we really liked, and it's favorite hoodie type. So um, I guess I'll start. I think for me, 
Uh, growing up, it was always like the traditional, I don't know what you call that, hooded sweatshirt. It's the hoodie. Or a hoodie, yeah. yeah. But uh, here in probably like the last two or three years, I've really uh, grown an attraction to the zip, the full zip hoodie. Mm-hmm. And big fan. I can't do the full zip hoodie. There's something about like that zipper that like in like winter time, yeah, because winter sucks. Um, <laughs> it gets like that zipper gets cold so, like when you hit your chin on it. It's just like that. I like, guess I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another aspect you going off that, you know, with your long beard and I when I don't shave, my neck beard is like pringly and I yeah. go to zip it up and it Ooh. pulls hair and it zips you it just down. Tilt your head up and you don't. Does it ever get like cotton in though? Like throughout the day? Yeah, you look down, you know, and you move your head. I'll say it, not enough for me to stop wearing it. Yeah. All right, here, here are the pros and cons, though, of the different. I, I think the pro to the fully zipped is that you can get it on and off real easy. Yeah. It's way easier than, like, sometimes just pulling off a sweatshirt is, like, a hassle. One that doesn't have a zip. Somewhat of a hassle. And then, two, uh, this, obviously, having the hood is, is clutch when you're actually cold. Hoodless sweatshirts... They're great. So like they're a crew neck? Gr- yeah, crew neck. Yeah, I'm out on crew neck. They're good look, but but they're not as functional, I don't think. Crew necks are a little stylish. Something you could maybe. I think, I think crew necks. Cool. You, you're. T- I, I saw you shaking your head. You don't. You've never had the situation where you pull a sweatshirt off and you're like stuck for a second. Oh, I do all the time. Yeah. See, that's what I'm or saying. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or like your clothes come off and then everyone sees your fat stomach. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Okay. <laughs> uh, one style we haven't mentioned. And uh, a friend of ours, I think, is if he was here, this would be his pick: the short sleeve or sleeveless oh. hoodie. Mm-hmm. Which I can get on board with the short sleeve because there's sometimes like you're it's cold enough where you want something a little bit thicker. But like, at, look at me right now; I've got my sleeves rolled up. The sleeveless hoodie, I cannot like fathom how that's anywhere close to being practical. I don't so that guy it. loves them. What, what do you think? I'm, the sleeveless? I'm not not sleeveless. I like the short sleeve. Oh, yeah, or even, yeah. I'm a big fan three, of the three-quarter three sleeves. See, like Belichick three. style? Yes. The three-quarter. Like Belichick style? Yeah, it just, to me, fan. because like, if I were to wear it for anything, like you'd have to roll it up, and then you're yes. rolling it up to like your biceps. So like the three-quarter, I... And your it's biceps a weird, are so big that... No, but like, <laughs> it's just a weird length to me that like it just sits yeah. there, and it's weird... To me, Growing so like, up, we had, I would roll it up and it'd be tight here, but like where it's like loose at your like forearms, then like yeah. you had rolled up to your elbows, and that's just not See, something. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, we were for our baseball team. Someone like thought it'd be great. So like in the summer, we wouldn't wear our like our normal jerseys because I guess they were too heavy and too hot. We would basically just play in a jersey T-shirt, and someone decided that we should get a three-quarter length, and I thought it was the worst thing. In the world, okay. so I'm mark me down 100% anti three quarter sleeve length. Anyhow. Three quarter sleeve length T-shirts are way worse than three quarter length sweatshirts. Correct. I don't even I know think. if I've ever owned yeah. a three quarter length sweatshirt. No, those are. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen one. I think I have three in my closet right now. So, all right, so let's get a quick poll. Favorite uh, hoodie, traditional hoodie, traditional hoodie. Traditional hoodie. I'm gonna go traditional hoodie, but I also want to mention. I'm a huge fan of like the t-shirt hoodie, like the super thin oh, hoodie. Oh yeah. Oh. Big fan of that. Yeah. I could see yeah. that. Not for me though. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm traditional for sure. And should we do this as our next Instagram poll? We could. Yeah, we'll put it out there. See what our 
we got a good amount of responses for our, our We also our have to keep in mind of before. like where we kind of come from though. Like in the professional setting, some like we can get kind of away with like the True. traditional hoodie, but like Johnny you know, can. some workplaces you'd have to go with like a crew neck and stuff like that that would be more functional for like your lifestyle. So definitely just kind of keeping that in mind. Like I know that I could get away with the traditional hoodie more times than not. But how how strange is that though that you that like a traditional hoodie is considered like sloppy, but yet if it's like a sweater, even though that's barely different, <laughs> it's like classy. Yeah. But even look at like the golf course. Like you could wear a crew neck sweatshirt underneath a polo or over a polo. Yeah. But if you wear a hood, I feel like it's kind of frowned upon. It, I mean, yeah, why Tyrell Hatton, so Tyrell Hatton tried, like, did it and at a PGA event, and he like, crucified for it. But, um, you wore a hoodie? Yeah. So all of you traditional hoodie guys, I don't I don't have it on this one, but certain hoodies, like I will cut down so that it's mm. a nice open yes, no. I mean, I've seen it. My, I've, I've got a couple ripped from like wrestling that were like that, but. I've done it before. Um, the big thing is when I go to take it off because I take it off this way. It keeps ripping. And then it goes, and then I mm. rip it Oh, yeah, and yeah. Then, you know, you just wasted a pretty solid hoodie that you like, but then again. So we'll, we'll put it on a poll on Instagram. Also, we got to mention our, our previous poll, and, and unfortunately, Jim, <laughs> we lost. spring as the worst lost as a total vote. I'm surprised. It was somewhat close, but winter got voted the worst well, by most of our. Sucks. Well, so it comes down to it, though. Did you listen to our last? I think episode? I, I did. I think I convinced you, these two when we were sitting at the trap shoot. I said, "Listen, this is something." You go, yeah, maybe you didn't have the opportunity, but you have zero opportunity to do the things that you like. You went on your one thousand bike ride, yeah. one thousand mile bike ride in spring that you couldn't even thought about doing. You don't even get to hop on that bike at all. It's, would you rather have 50 a good or 50 or zero? So, I mean, that's why spring is third, winter's last. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the audience decided, so you don't owe us a case. Um, so now do we want to get into Johnny's expertise? Yeah. Yeah. So Johnny is, uh, is a multi-talented uh, individual, um, had a pretty <laughs> illustrious uh, competitive career. Um, you know, uh, without getting into all the details, basically was a, a big deal, multiple time all region, uh, athlete, all American, uh, played in three final fours, played in the national championship, but his real expertise comes in one of two facets and that is racing and elevators. So that's going to be, mm. we're going to kind of blend these two topics on the rundown into one. Um, and Johnny, we'll, uh, we'll let you start with racing. I know I've had the pleasure of going to some dirt track racing events with you. And I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. Not like being dead ass, like to kind of see you in your element, like how, how you just pay attention to every little detail. Cause I've heard like people have said things to me, like when I'm around motorcycles or, um, things like that. So a lot of respect. I know you kind of grew up in it, so like, I guess why don't you start there? Like, yeah. How did you get into racing? So I am a son of a race car driver, um, and that's kind of how it started. So when I was little, our weekends were spent, at least in the summer, if we weren't playing sports or whatever, um, was spent on a dirt track um, in the stands. You know, I grew up, you know, instead of playing with action figures, I had a little tiny cars that I would, I probably had. Hot Wheels? <laughs> No, they were like, so you can get like, what they're, they're called die cats. So they're yeah. certain bigger, you know, you can get the big cars, but then you can get yeah. the little ones. Well, my dad, um, every year he was in, 
he and his brother, my uncle, would go and work race car trailers. And they would come home with stockpiles of these tiny little cars. And every Sunday while my dad was watching the race, I would basically mimic that race with these cars. Um, so That's I grew nice. up with it. It happened. And then I guess molding into the elevator trade, uh, my dad has worked at the elevator trade for, I think, he's going on 30 years, 40 years. Um, started off right at the bottom as a technician, installing them, building them. Um, worked his way up and now he's a national sales manager so um, both were born into it happy I was born into it um, but yeah I mean I guess for the most part racing I mean it's I get this asked question asked all the time like how can you watch it and I say um, you know racing stupid they just go around in circles turn left um, <laughs> for the most part well, what I say to people if you see it in person it will change your dynamic and everything Um, and then if you still don't like it that's fine Um, I'm not going to judge you on your opinion I'm not going to yeah you know um, and when you say see it live you don't mean like on TV live you mean I mean at the track seeing you know how the whole process goes that's that's a really good point like you take that approach and apply it to like other types of sports like a sport that you don't like have you ever seen that live in person Mm. Mm mm-hmm Correct. Like watching baseball, I think is another one that a lot yeah. of people get yeah. bored with. But like you, you put me in a ballpark. I'm the one that I'm going to keep a scorebook during the game. I'm barely, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get my my snacks and everything before I even get to my seat, and I may park it in that seat for all nine innings. Correct. So, so another aspect of that was golf. So like I never watched golf on TV, and then one. One time I was in Arizona with that waste manager. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've seen videos of it. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, I thought that, you know, a guy that hasn't been around golf um, ever, um, that, oh, that's what every golf <laughs> open is. Oh, like. yeah. No. Every PGA, no, it's quiet. They, right. You know, basically snap as a, yeah. a you know, as clapping. Um, but I went to the waste management open in person and. It was insane. And oh, now yeah. I watch golf on TV. Well, also though, you get a you get a sense of how good those guys actually are. Like correct. when you hear the snap of their clubs mm-hmm. and like the ball and everything, it's or crazy. Or like yeah. when they talk through the caddies, like you don't get to yeah. see on TV, yeah. like right. the actual like, details, the scorebooks that you see, mm-hmm. like they're down to like tenths of yards where they're like it's one like they'll do the lip of this bunker, it's one ten, to the pin it's like one fifteen. But the fringe is like 103. Like the way they like absolutely do it, they're gonna talk about ball flight. It's gonna be high, medium, low. Are they gonna throw a lot of spin on it? It's crazy on how much detail they actually go into. But like that's like going into the details and stuff like that. One thing that we were fortunate, like during like the COVID towards like tail end, like there were still some like dirt tracks in Dubuque. And then where we, where I really saw like the detail and stuff like that was when we had the snow cross. Yeah. Um, When you could talk about different lines that people were taking. And like, okay, so like, obviously you could tell that like there was a slow line if you like looped and then try to have like longer straight shoot, or if like certain lines that you would have to take that were faster than others. But you had you, a super tight corner that you had to cut. Right, so then it was just like understanding, hey, or like certain ice or certain like yeah. part of like um, the dirt like tracks, is it slower on the inside, stuff like that. Like, I think it'd be sweet to know a little bit more like about some like the like dirt track and stuff like that because like golf like it's super cool to me obviously being a golfer like when they go like and talk about all the different details like this ball flight stuff like that like i can visualize exactly how like i would talk 
and to yeah. myself about different shots versus like on a track where they're like, yeah, this path is going to give you this line. This is going to be the straighter. If you're going to make a path, you have to do it on this turn versus the other turn. Kind of piggybacking that too, dirt track's the same way. Um, if you see it live or, you, you know, there's avenues that you can now watch it, you know, via TV that you'll see part of the track is getting darker. Um, then mm. you say, you know, it's, that's what mainline they're taking. Yeah, it's not like water on the right, track. Right. Correct. I mean, it's, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a compound of the dirt and the rubber coming off the tires correct. that then like forms a clay almost. Correct. And what mm. people don't really see as far as when they see it on TV that the banking's so high, you tried walking up, you can't. It's, it's, so, oh, it's really? so slippery that, you know, you'll, you have to like bear crawl basically. Huh. Um, and now, I, one of the things about dirt track that I've never like fully comprehended is whole how like basically the only time you're uh, let me back up when you're going into a turn it's like so what is it John you start off by turning left on the wheel and then you turn back right correct so how you turn um, when you're entering into the turn um, so you know there's one turn one two three and four and then the checkered or the yeah. checkered flag yeah. or the line. Um, when you're turning into one, you know, you turn the wheel so the car is starting that way. And then basically how you turn is your gas pedal. So the more acceleration you have, the more your back end is going to go in. And the, the more you slow down, your back end is going to straighten out. Um, so basically they got to find a fine line while going, you know, 80 plus miles an hour. Right. Um, and you know, in a space that's basically, to me, the coal is tighter than the parking spot. Right. That they have to find a fine line in order to keep that tight. And of course, they're still using the wheel, but as they're back in, as they're, they're trying to get as much power and much speed into the turn, that they turn it to the right, so then it, so they're straight they in the car, but they can, so as they turn to the right, they can push the gas pedal more. So and, and resulting go faster. Are these guys making money based on how they finish or, or just like an entry or what is it? Correct. So um, basically the winner, you know, I think it's the first top three get prizes. Everyone else mm. doesn't get anything. Oh, really? And you also wow. have to pay a fee to enter the race as wow. well. Um, of course, as you start getting higher and higher within the, the dirt levels. So at the top, there's the World of Outlaws. And then you have the Lucas Oil. And then you have your regional and then, you know, your kind of state yep. or city or your local tracks. Right. Um, so as you start getting higher, you know, then you, you know, like World of Outlaws, you know, top 10 or, you know, top 15 um, will get in. But there's also different, you know, so you have heat laps or hot laps. That's kind of like a practice. And then you have heats, which you go in and they separate however many cars, they separate them into certain heats. As you qual, that's basically your qualification. So if you get, you know, if you place top four, you're already into the A main. But if you're, a, if you don't qualify within your heat, then you go to the B main, and then the top, you know, ten or fifteen, will go into the A main from there. Um, so there's, so if you know, you could race, you know, twice as many laps as the top guy, but then again, that puts you at more risk of car troubles, wrecking. Yeah. Right. Um, That's so there's crazy. a whole different kind of tier to it. Um, but I, you know, I grew up with it. I love it. Um, and you know NASCAR is a little different because it's on asphalt, it's not on dirt. Um, then again, though, their speeds increase by you know twice as right. much. Right. That and I watched a video the other day. The amount of footwork that they have to do on, in NASCAR, their feet are constantly moving. Correct. I didn't really even like kind of put two and two together. You don't just 
pressed down in the gas pedal. <laughs> no, so but I meant like just how much they're shifting. You're right, though. Kind of, a lot of people probably don't realize right. that. Yeah. So what people like, also don't know is like when you shift gears, there's only four gears. Right. So, but as they're you know coming into a turn, if you're going on a short track, you know you have to shift, and then how they're slowing down the car is not only braking, but they're shifting down at the same time. Mm. You know, and then you, so engine braking. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so then they would get in, you know, turn one on a short track, and they will let go of the gas. Or you know, a good way of putting it is like on a graphic on the TV, they'll show where their pedals are and where they're accelerating when they you know let go of the brake and they're accelerating a little bit. They're actually shifting down. And then they'll ramp it back up, and then they get through the gears again. Yeah. And the faster you get through the gears, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it depends on the track. You know, like you know, there's different tracks between a super speedway, a speedway, and a short track. Um, you know, your your big one, you know, Great American Race, Daytona 500. That's a super speedway. Talladega is a super speedway. Yep. Um, then you have normal speedways like this week is Dover. That's a speedway. Dover, Dover. Um, and then you have like Atlanta, And you Texas. heard uh, the Coca-Cola 600 is going to be 100% fan capacity this year in oh. Charlotte. See, here's so another huge. aspect that I know will, you know, as we're, this is the garage beers sort of <laughs> podcast. Another aspect is you can bring however big a cooler you want into a NASCAR race. And really? Yeah, you can sit there and get absolutely smoked while watching these dudes again. So they like are, have they just decided like that's a better approach than selling. So they alcohol? sell beer, um, but they don't care if you bring in your own. Correct. That's I mean, wild. I think there's a certain capacity to cooler. I mean, you know, you're not gonna bring in the, you know, <laughs> a wagon. At the same time, you could fit a you know 18 beers yeah. in a cooler or Dang. whatever and. Walk on in and sit down. And so you started mentioning a few tracks, Johnny. So mm-hmm. let's, how many different racetracks, like NASCAR racetracks, have you been to? So And which one is your favorite? So I haven't been to a lot um, just because, you know, growing up, I was involved in soccer a lot and um, starting to figure out, you know, what I want to do in my you know, so as I as I was growing up, I didn't really get the chance to. But me and my dad have also talked about, you know, our dream is to try to hit every single track. Um, the I've been to Texas multiple times. I've been to Chicagoland. Uh, been to Kansas. Been to Charlotte. Um, I think. I mean, I know what my favorite would be that I haven't been to, and that would be Darlington. Um, Darlington is one of the oldest tracks on the on the NASCAR schedule. Um, I've been to Talladega. Talladega was super fun before COVID. Um, it was wild. It's just a party. And then at the end of the race, you know, after all the celebratory, you know, victory lane stuff, you know, then they actually have a huge-ass party festival within the track. Is that sure. the waste management? Is that, is that in Florida? Talladega's in Alabama. Where's the Florida one? Daytona. Daytona, yeah. Daytona, Daytona would be. So they used to race it on Daytona Beach way back when they started in Think so that guy might get me. Yeah. Hey, when was Wake the first Daytona 500? Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give a date and see if I'm right. I believe it was like 1952. February 22nd, 1959. All right. Actually, so you know what? Not too close, bad. Close. Yeah. But so they also have now tying this into my passion and hobby. They also have Daytona Bike Week, mm. and they do motorcycle racing on Daytona Beach, which Dang. never like I'm out. Too much sand. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna watch. Hey, okay. would you be impressed if I knew a couple bikers? Like, what do you Travis mean? Pastrana. Okay, that's a different. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy McGrath. No. I mean, Travis. Travis Pastrana's life saying, you know, Michael Phelps. <laughs> yeah. I know. 
Well, I went to uh, I went to one of these when I was a kid in Detroit at the Silver Dome, RIP. And, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. I got really into it, and then I stopped paying attention after a while. But it was it was like the Nitro Circus is yeah, sweet. Yeah, though. it was it was but something they've got wild. Now. Yeah. So Johnny, before we uh, before we wrap up today, I you have a very unique career. I think like there's there's a lot of careers out there that everybody knows a lot about. If you work in marketing, if you work in banking or taxes or that like everyone kind of has a general understanding of like what that career is like you work for an elevator company and you i don't i I don't know what your exact title is so i'm gonna have you tell us but like one like outside of you know obviously the connection to your dad but like what is it that has kept you there or like what do you like about it what have been some interesting things you've learned and some things that maybe regular joe schmoes like us don't know so, yeah, so how I got into it, um, you know, my dad worked in it for, again, 30-plus years. Um, so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Um, the reason I stayed is the uniqueness in it. Um, you know, as like you said before, you know, how many elevator or how many people you know that are in the elevator trade. So, and you have the best response to any question of how it's going. Oh, yeah. Every so, time. like, I get asked all the time, oh, how's the elevator industry? <laughs> hey, it's up and down. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, Do they make side-to-side elevators? No, like you're talking like, like Harry, like Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, no. I, they I don't, make elevators that do more than just up and down. I don't know. I, what, mm-hmm. what other direction can you go besides? Well, I mean, if besides you went you up and then over. forward, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm like, as far as my job, I all I do is sell them. You know. Um, well, you, but you don't sell. Your dad sells them. I also sell them. You, you yeah, so my official title is an estimator and project manager. So basically, with the estimation estimator portion of it, that's basically you know, um, I'm getting all hot and bothered over a, here. A sales Whoa. rep. Um, <laughs> so kind of a little background on the elevator industry. I'll try to keep this short, but again, I like to ramble on. Um, so ramble. how it kind of works the <laughs> is there's three different types of so-called um, sales to an elevator. Um, so you have what we call new construction or new installation. So that's when they're building a brand new building from the ground up. And then you have what we call modernization. Modernization is taking an existing elevator and updating the equipment. Um, and then you have, you know, the service of the elevator. So as far as if we put something in, you know, then we'll maintain it for the life expectancy of that elevator. Um, for the most part, the life expectancy of an elevator probably runs around 15, 20 years. Um, before you need to be able to start changing out, you know, major equipment. So the major equipment would be the brain of the elevator, which would be the controller. Um, that basically, when you push a button, that relays up to the controller to tell you what port you're going to. Um, then you have the motor and the machine. Um, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. There's two types of elevators. You got a hydraulic and a traction. Hydraulic has a jack underneath, um, has a submersible power unit or a dry power unit is what we call them. Um, basically submersible is the motor is inside the tank and then they fill it with oil as it goes up the oil drains out into the jack pushes the elevator up as it comes down the oil I would imagine that's the older version that is actually the newer version really yeah so how it started is a pull you know the pull pull lever system or you know the rope that's how and that's how attraction works so attraction is a machine that's over top you see a lot of those and you know you're big ass high-rise buildings in Chicago yeah. and big mm-hmm. cities. Um, 
How we do it, how we maintain it is our traction elevators. If it's over 60 feet of rise, we're going to put in a traction. Um, we specialize, oh, okay. you know, we're a custom elevator corporation. Um, I work for a company called Schumacher, which is headquartered out of Denver, Iowa. Um, which who would have thought that a multi-million dollar elevator industry and elevator corporation um, would be in a well, maybe we'll, uh, we'll get Denver, the president Iowa. of Schumacher on the podcast oh, yeah. and he can give us the whole oh, yeah. history. He, yeah. he could give you the whole history. Um, <laughs> cool. I know we started back in 1940, right right after World War II. Stack right before that. 1930. No, 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 no. I know. 1936. <laughs> that would be before World War II. Yeah, 1936. Well, okay, but here's the thing. While he finds the answer, you have a lot of insight that people want to know. Some life facts. People are demanding answers to these questions. <laughs> okay. And one of them is, I know, it's like I, some people I know have fear of getting stuck in an elevator. Okay. And there's multiple reasons why they shouldn't fear that, right? Correct. So when you're, as far as people getting stuck in an elevator, the most commonly about 99% of the time is because they over overrated the capacity or overloaded the capacity. Um, so there's a rated capacity. So like if like 15 beefs and, tr and Jimmy's gotten in the elevator. <laughs> Correct. So as the controller works and how it's engineered is that, you know, if you have a so-called 2,500 pound capacity, you know, that capacity also puts in the car weight, also puts in, you know, they got engineered as how many people can fit in it. What's the weight of an average person? Um, you know, they got to go through all that as an engineer. Um, I don't know that information off the top of my head because I'm in sales. I sell them and put a price to them and look pretty doing it. Um, but for the most part, as you get stuck in the elevator, as they overload it, what that does is the controller is, or the brain of the elevator is set to a certain capacity or a certain rated load. When that over goes over, um, it can still run, but it's not going to run because then your life expectancy of the elevator is going to drastically decrease. Um, so what it does is it's just going to it's going to start moving up, and this is where people get caught, and then it's going to realize, oh shit, I'm too heavy, and it's just going to shut down. Um, so per code, elevator code, um, the average response time needs to be two hours, two hours or less. So you're going to be stuck in that elevator for a maximum of two hours. So when, um, when you say that, like max, you mean they, like they're not supposed to come and help you for two hours, or like? Well, see, two hours or below. So like, you know, say if you get stuck in an elevator here, we have a service technician that's always multiple that are. Oh, on call. okay, I see what you're so saying. So how it works is when you hit that call button, it's not going to go to the. Dominoes. Well, <laughs> I was going to say emergency services. It's actually, so how it works for us is when you push that button, you're actually going to call the office. They're going to answer it. And then what they will do is then transfer that call to the service tech in that area. Say we have an entrapment and they need, you know, and then basically what they're going to do is stop doing what they're doing to get those people out of the elevator. Now that depends on the company, first of all, and I'm not going <laughs> to throw any company under the bus. Um, but, and as, so it could be, it couldn't be, you know, it could be five minutes. He could be in that building or it could be right, right next door or wherever. Well, so, so the smart move is then to look at the weight capacity that's listed. Like, so, you know, correct. So when it says, so you know, 35, well, correct. When it yeah, says 3,500 pounds and it says, you know, 10 persons should probably follow the 10 persons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I have friends that have gotten stuck in elevators multiple times. Correct. And now that you say this, it's every time it's because they pack it in. Correct. 
And then I've seen just Snapchat videos of been in this elevator for two hours to get yeah. me out. Yeah, and that's the, just the response yeah. time. Yeah. Um, now, what so about jumping in an elevator, like when you're a kid, and you always like you try to time it perfectly. Yeah. Like, what do you mean that... when you're a kid? <laughs> I'm 29, and I did that like two months ago. So I actually get this uh, this question a lot: is you know, if you jump in an elevator, does it actually hurt it? No. To be quite frank, it it won't af- affect it. Is there anything you can much. do to like where it would like make it drop? Yeah, what if you're on one of those traction belt things and you have 15 people in the elevator <laughs> and you all jump at the same Ooh. time? Will that hit the capacity? Of so the that's so. That's why it stops. So okay. So when you put when you so if you have multiple people and you're over capacity and you all jump at the same time, <laughs> so how that works is. Um, you know, as a traction elevator, the ropes, you have ropes that sling, go, they're overslung over the cab shell into the machine and come back down. Um, and then you have a counterweight on one side. So as the counterweight goes up, you know, car goes down, vice versa. Um, but as they jump, you know, you, when you feel that tug that you're pulling on the ropes. So as the ropes, you know, you, you might damage the ropes a little bit, but the elevator, so... What it has is um, there's what we call rope grippers in the elevator industry. And as that, so you'll never ever be in an elevator unless the whole building's falling down, but you will never see an elevator free fall. Now, I know you, you guys have sent see, me videos. See, this is the, the most comforting, <laughs> this is the most comforting thing you've ever seen. I know you have sent me videos of some random video in this elevator and the guy's walking in and the elevator just drops. Well, first of all, where's that elevator located? Probably not in the United States of America. And two... It probably oh, doesn't have the, uh, the you know that country probably doesn't have you know the codes that we follow in and order for this thing. And it isn't Schumacher, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the elevator is designed. If it starts free falling, you're gonna fall probably two, three feet, and then it's gonna catch itself, and you're gonna you have to wait for an elevator technician to basically climb down the hoistway wherever you out, climb up or. Um, so if and you're if you're only falling two to three feet, will you even feel that since you're moving? You'll feel it. You'll feel, you'll feel it. Feel like a little, um, a little another fall. aspect too is, um, I know you'll see some elevators. They'll so underneath the elevator in what we call the pit, you'll have two buffers. Basically, that's going to stop the car from hitting the ground floor. Mm. Um, so sometimes if you know there's a fault in the controller, you'll hit the buffers, and you know it'd be like when you brake hard in the car. So now, oh, what if okay. it's in the oil? Okay. Is what what's the buffer's got there? Because that's not in the rope. No. Correct. So like so for the hydraulic, uh, you know, you have a jack underneath. So f- in order for you to free fall, that jack has to split in half. Okay. Has to snap. Mm. It's not gonna snap because I mean it's a, you know, I think it's about six and three quarter inch white jack. Um, Pure steel. Yeah, and it's <laughs> you know, and we we don't manufacture our own jacks. We use an outside vendor to bring them in. Um, are they made in the USA? They are. Made out of so let me ask you this: A lot of the problems that happens with airplanes is due to lack of like inspecting it properly and regularly and everything. Correct. So is that the same with elevators? Correct. So every time we put in an elevator, um, we have to get it inspected um, by a licensed, you know, elevator inspector, and then you also have to require to get a permit through the state. Um, so. As the elevator industry, um, we are a union industry. Uh, well, I guess half. So I'm not unionized, but our service mechanics, everyone else is. Mm. Um, so there are laws, there are engineering 
codes, there are building codes that we have to follow. Um, so, you know, in order to limit the amount of injured, serious injuries or deaths. Right, right. The trade. Um, um, Trent, you had a question, or stat guy, you had a question earlier that off air you were going to ask about, it was about the door. I think. Oh, yeah, that was... No, that was my question. So, I was at my parents' uh, condo the other day, and there was a sign in the elevator that said, if you need to hold open the door, use the button. Don't physically hold the doors from, like, trying to close. Okay. And they said it would it would damage it. And it was... Um, Matt, uh, is it Thompson and Kreuter? Are they... Uh, are, you, are they start with the T? Tissy yeah, Krupp? Yeah, that one. Okay. It, it was one of those elevators. Okay, I don't know so, if that makes a difference or not. Um, so with the door, so if you ever open up an elevator and you look through the door, you're going to see kind of like a, a tall black, um, it kind of looks like a light beam. Yeah. It's like, so that's what we call a door screen. Does it shoot lasers? Um, technically what it is, is it's sensor. So if something's mm. stuck in that door, the door is not going to close, but we can program it that if someone's holding, you know, the door for a certain amount of time. That you'll hear a loud buzz yeah. and the door will start closing. Mm. That mm-hmm. is your cue to get out of the way, or else you know you're gonna damage the door equipment in it because it's gonna it's slowly so turning. So that's true. You should oh, okay. use the button. Nah. So in that certain case, yes, but you I've know, heard you that can, before. You can program it to where that elevator isn't gonna move if something is blocking that door screen. It's hmm. not gonna register any calls. It's not going to you know. But you know, for the most part. Most elevator. Oh, another good question. Man, there's so many good elevator questions. <laughs> if you press the button a bunch of times, does it send it faster? <laughs> <laughs> or so if you like hold down the close button and hit yours, will it skip everywhere else? Before oh, wait, what? I've never heard that one. So like if you hold the close button and you press your floor, does it go all the way up to your floor without stopping at the other ones? No way. So to answer both your questions, no. <laughs> <laughs> So as like I see it all the time that I step in an elevator and I see a guy just absolutely yeah. going ham at the button, yeah. and you know I just wanted to you know in his mind think oh I you know I close the door faster, <laughs> well, that's true. but no that you hit that once it's only gonna register that hard call or it's only gonna register that door closed once. I'm convinced those are fake. What? The door is gonna close no matter what. Does the door close? Correct. Do anything? So, oh, okay. so for the yes. so the door is gonna close on a certain amount of time. Yeah. But if you don't push a button, you're not gonna go anywhere. So saying no, like no, he's saying the door. But closed I'm saying button. like like if. Oh, you're like saying to, the, to when you push like if you're really trying to avoid someone walking <laughs> on the elevator or something like if you're slamming that door close button, I feel like. Well, here so there, there's a time period in it, or else you could just close the door and the door will start closing and someone would still be walking in. You know, so you know, that the we're worst? trying to limit. We're trying to limit, you know, injury in an elevator because yeah. you don't want. That. No, but I'm just saying. I feel like the, the so the the button the button the button's gonna work. <laughs> the button's gonna work. It's just you know so when you hit that you, button, there's a you, there's a certain time. Let's say it's a 15 second time. I believe it. I believe it's three seconds to five seconds uh, that that door has a time frame into closing. Um. Okay, but that's the worst is when you're like about to it's closing and then you just see that hand like. Stop yeah. it right before it opens back up. But we usually close the show with conspiracy theories. So I'm having our stack guy look up elevator conspiracy theories okay. to see if you can debunk some of these. So we, while he's looking that up, just to give like our 250 plus followers a little insight, what is the average cost that you've experienced, like just ballpark it, 
of an elevator of a new elevator install mm. here in like the 2000 2020 yeah. 2021 okay so it depends i know it depends on a lot of give oh yeah, me, yeah give me okay. a ballpark so so if we're gonna so if i receive you know a bid and we're sending one out or sending a proposal say a hydraulic elevator two stops what we call single end open or you're getting in and out of the elevator on the same side um you're probably looking in the range of i'd say 85 to 95 k okay um that's a hydraulic attraction you're looking more around you know high 100k to middle 250 and like a service elevator so does that jack up the price because of the additional equipment so yeah so you have bigger equipment you have a bigger hoistway you have a bigger car size you know and you're loading you have a bigger yeah. rated load because you know they're hauling stuff into it um, yeah, you're looking, you know, probably in the same as a hydraulic service. You're probably looking in, you know, mid 150 attraction. That's you're probably bad. going, you're probably going high 200s, 300s, and then you also have your freight elevators. Um, so what's the difference between a service elevator? And so a freight? service elevator is it's the like doors. A hospital? So a, hot, a so service a service, service would be like a hospital car. Yeah, so hotels. it has it has. Yeah, your standard, you know, what you see as a, what we call passenger doors. A freight right. has freight doors, which we call bi-party power. Yeah. Up and down. Those so, are you know, cool. I've, I've been on a couple of those. <laughs> so that's what we they call have freight a, I was in a stadium, and they, they had a service elevator because oh, they I'm use sure. it for garbage and all yeah. kinds of equipment. So yeah. there's different, you know, we don't have to get into this, but there's different loading types. You know, you can load a truck, you can load a forklift, you can load, you know. All this stuff, so it's gonna make the noise. All right. Well, first of all, before we get into answering this conspiracy theory, there was a request for a fashion show from the overalls from the Instagram <laughs> Live. So I, I know you, you listeners out there, are not gonna be able to see this. So we'll just describe it to you. But Cole right now came in wearing overalls, Carhartt overalls. Cole's a big. So I mean, he looks quality. great. Yeah, he looks great for the guy. viewers. I can't see. I mean, the man is absolutely <laughs> killing the game. Yeah, perfect. How many pairs of overalls do you own? Two. Okay. I own two as well. But I own a lot of denim, though. Yeah. Do you have a pair of lined overalls? I do. Those are lined. I also have a bunch of lined jeans that are perfect. Yeah, I don't have lined jeans. I might have to dive into some of those. I also I, got jorts. There... I got camo. <laughs> I got a redneck camo. I got a jean uh, jacket, jean shirt. Do you yeah. wear pants when you wear overalls? No, I'm straight underwear. Okay, that's that's. I think that's one of the best things about it. Well, well, I think it depends on the game changer. Overalls. Have you ever gone commando? Yes. No. <laughs> Is it comfortable? There's it's no way it's bad. comfy. Yeah. When you're sitting down, it gets a little tight. But when you're standing up there, free balling up in overalls. It's free. Because I feel like like in jeans, like it's like the same sort of material you got right. here with jeans that. You know, I hate going commando in jeans. Can't right, yeah. No, no but no, like no, when no, you're standing no. up in these, it's so much more because, like, in a, you'd have a belt on, like, here, it'd be like tight and whatnot. With these, you don't have to worry about that, so you get some airflow down there. Mm, then. Okay. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. All right. Had to keep the fans happy there, but uh, okay, conspiracy theories. Not not necessarily a conspiracy theory, but the, the 13th floor kind of mystery. Okay. To where there is a ton of buildings across the United States and worldwide, depending on the country, that skip the 13th floor in elevators. Have, well, I have a question. Have you ever dealt with that situation um, mm. in a building that you've worked with? Um, not necessarily 13th floor, but we can engineer it. We can design it. 
in the way of the owner wants it. So if they want to skip her 13th floor, we can, you know, we don't have to put a button there. And we don't have to. Send so it's not within the, the in elevator industry. Correct. It's more within the it's more, building. So we could. So a good example is if you guys ever been to the Children's Hospital in Iowa City, um, and you walk in that elevator, um, they have different, you know, kind of floors with different that associate to different animals and colors. Um, and we can customize an elevator to however you want it. If you want to put in there that you push, you know, level eight and a disco ball comes down, we'll put it in. My, you know, we just sold an elevator that has a urinal in it um, that basically is in a parking garage. And the problem was they had homeless people or people that, you know, would get in the elevator and would just go pee in there and then walk out. So we designed it to where uh, we placed a urinal in it with the drain that drains out outside. I mean, so we can, that's pretty sweet. So we you can design about things you that you didn't need to know, or like you didn't think existed, but you're glad that they do. An elevator with a urinal? So right. is, there, have, is there a, a men's elevator and a women's elevator? Well, it wasn't, I was, okay, a urinal wasn't the right way. I mean, it's basically a slanted, I know inside the cab we put a drain. That so if you do pee, that does that to open up a can of worms for public indecency? It could. You're whipping out your your Willie Johnson yeah. dong show. So another thing is that <laughs> is that considered public indecency? I don't know. I, but I think see, next thing, next but... episode we need to have a police officer. Yeah, see. we should. If you it saw was... someone urinating in an elevator in a designated urine, because technically it's an enclosed <laughs> space, right? That's right. true. But is a camera usually always right? Well, see, here's the thing. So like, uh, we don't install the cameras. We'll oh. do what we call the provisions. So we'll handle all the wiring to it. And then we'll have someone like shout out sponsor JOB Technology. Yeah, like a technology company come mm -hmm. in and install the camera. Um, but going off the children's, if you push a button, going off the disco ball thing, if you push a button on a certain, so like I know like the turtle is the green floor. Basically, they're gonna a kid's gonna push that button and make him feel oh this place is pretty nice, you know, even though it's unfortunately not the yeah. greatest situation right. to be in. Right. That he pushes it and the whole elevator cab turns green. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can add so, music to it. You can add certain voices to it. You know, we can customize it to however way you want it. You imagine but, if you had like a you, narrator of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say opening elevator floor. You could pull some amazing pranks then. Yeah, I mean, if, if you, you want to. to, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know the, you know, you have to be able to know the, like, if you walk into a controller, you're going to see a whole bunch of lights and, you know, um, equipment in there that I, right, you know, right, that right. basically they can, they can basically take a prong and whatever elevator that stopped, they can just hit a button and that's, it's going to go. Dang. No matter, no matter if someone's in it, no matter if someone's walking in it, if they hit it, that door's going to start closing and it ain't going to stop. So if you're so not, there's not a hack to that that I could just so do anyways. you have to be a technician. Yeah, well, first you need a certain prong. Two, you need to know what you're doing <laughs> uh, because you know yeah. if you go in and so you can't press like this <laughs> and that button. You're like zipping all over the place. Take you up to your floor. Correct. No. That would be so cool. You, right, no, actually, so, actually, let me re rephrase. If you, you know, yeah, sure. You know, if you think that if you hold the button, the closed door button and the thing, and you I'll, hold that all the way up, yeah, then it will skip all the other hall calls and go straight up. All right. So one last question that I think we'll all get a good laugh at, and you know the uh, the bumper car game. Okay. So it's not actually about the bumper car game, but like that alarm button that you press, 
Does that do anything besides make the noise? So and what is the purpose? So of it that? depends. It depends on the situation. It depends on what the owner requested or the architect drew <laughs> up. Um, if you push that alarm button, that could actually send a service to the emergency service services. It could send a signal to them Ooh. saying, "Hey, I'm stuck in the elevator. Need help." <laughs> but but for most cases, what it is is on top of the car is what we call a car inspection station. Um, what that has is a basically, if a mechanic is up top, he can switch. You know, he can switch the service. He can run the car from sitting up top. Um, has a light, but that alarm also on top of that it has the alarm bell on the top of the. And basically, that's just signaling if you can't call or you can't. Someone can hear you hitting that button. Gotcha. And so, like for instance. At my college, we did that all the time, going up into the cafeteria. That one is set as that last kind of situation that I um, yeah. stated. So, as the most part, no, it's more of a notification for if people can't hear you yell or people can't or you can't call someone because you have no signal. Yeah. Um, because you're basically in a concrete block. Right. Going up. So, um, so I think what we're gonna do is at some point, maybe next week. We're going to have uh, – uh, you can submit your elevator questions mm-hmm. to our, our podcast, and we'll have uh, Johnny uh, go live and answer some of these questions okay. that as they come in. Because uh, I think we There's could so sit many. here – Yeah, we could sit here for another hour and just <laughs> rattle off elevator head. questions. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't even really scratched the surface as far as an yeah. elevator. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> we'll so many parts. You know, you Maybe can't ship it via Amazon. Sub, it's a sub show – where like once a month Johnny just talks about I agree. the ups and downs of elevator. I mean, if that's what you guys want, I know you know sometimes <laughs> it's interesting. Sometimes people are like, "Dude, shut the fuck up." <laughs> um, I'm so impressed, like, like with how much you know and you've been doing like in it two and a half on, years. Yeah, going on three in end of June. That's sweet. So. Yeah, but. I uh, just want to thank you again for tuning in to another edition of Garage Beers. I think this is, I think I'm having fun with it. I know Cole and Nick are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe we'll also need to see uh, see what our, our listeners think and give a grade on our new intern, uh, see if he's going to make the cut <laughs> for future episodes. But um, next week, we'll, uh, next week. You know, we talked about, like, having an actual schedule, (laughs) and I think kind of the consensus was, like, we're going to record when it makes sense, but try to do at least one a week. Yeah, that, and if there's any topics or anything like that, or any guests that you can think of that you want to see, just let us know. Um, Thanks for having me, too, guys. Appreciate it. I had a blast. Um, (laughs) You know, make sure you go give Garage Beers follow on Instagram. There you go. I plan on taking your post, taking that. You know what I see on Spotify, posted on my thing, even though I only have like 400 followers. But anyways, hey. whatever I could do to help. Let's go. Love, love you it. guys. Love the, what your idea is here, and I look forward to a bright and successful future. <laughs> Let's go. We have a quick shout out on Instagram from Rocks Duchess. Uh, he says, "Cheers from Canada and more overalls." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. This has been episode three of Garage Beers.